You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. All right, lads, how's it going? It's going very well. I'm pretty pooped. Been doing a lot of traveling. Where was I, you ask? Well, you guys probably already know. I was in Brussels. That was meaning the viewers, not you guys, because you guys were also in Brussels, so you definitely know. <laughs> Say, where was he? He was in the O2 bracket. Kaboom. I was Kaboom. not. Oh, no. Oh, I guess the one, I was in the one, bracket. one bracket. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was there too. We had a great time together in crippling out of, 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 of GP Brussels. We had a good time anyway. It actually was very good. I actually was thinking about this today. So, yeah, I didn't do great at the GP. I went two, three drop. And, uh, my what uh, I lost to an opponent who was like not very experienced, and uh, you know, I was like, I was like, oh man, I can't believe I lost to that person. But I was thinking about it, and like when I lost the match, you were you were with me there, Al, when I lost it. I like, I, I it wasn't like consciously thinking, but I definitely didn't want to be like visibly like salty or anything like that or upset because he was a really nice player, and it was like he cl- he clearly like I uh, was like really excited and, and happy that he won. So I, th- I was pretty happy with kind of how I conducted myself there and stuff. And I kind of, I was thinking about this today. I was like, I think I've gotten a lot better at that in, in the last like year or so when it comes to like magic and stuff like that. Like, I don't think I was ever terrible, but I, th- I feel like I've really reached a nice, a nice Zen point with like losing in tournaments where, you know, it's just like, it's just fine. You just lose sometimes and there's nothing you can do about it. So just, yeah, uh, yeah. just be cordial and, and be happy for your opponent, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I, I could tell, and I was like, especially though, that was where you, and especially difficult time to do that because yeah, sure, it's disappointing to lose and all, but then the guy he was very excited, but he was like taking cards out of his deck saying, Yeah, this card is really good against you, and this, and I brought that in, and he was kind of like, You're I guess in a position where you you just have to say, Yeah, man, that's really cool. And I guess that's a, a pretty difficult thing to do, you know. Yeah, exactly. And like and again, it wasn't a conscious thing, but I definitely was like, Yep, just nod and smile and uh <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, wish him wish him well. And uh, and you know, that wasn't fake or anything, like I genuinely did did feel that way but yeah it's like i don't know it's just i i was kind of thinking about it it's like you can always get something about out of your experiences even if you're just like losing in a tournament or whatever so a bit of self-reflection there i think did me good and uh, i'm pretty i'm just happy with with how i conducted myself yeah that's good that's good yeah yeah it's not about the magic it's about the gathering oh yeah yeah it's not about the gathering it's about the pints (laughs) oh pints were hot well actually we didn't drink any pints because they don't serve pints over there they serve little beers tiny little bottles of very strong beer Oh, it's so strong. I I actually find it more like uncomfortable now to win. Yeah, I love it. I mean, <laughs> what are you talking about? Go on. It's it's good, but like sometimes you know you can tell that your opponent is really disappointed or angry or whatever, and I'm just never really sure what to say. Yeah, I I think I'm pretty good in those situations. Is like I'll basically always like I think I think a good thing to do there is. You know, say like some people say, like, don't say good games when you win, don't offer the handshake when you win, and stuff like that. I think that's bullshit because I think if someone is in, like, is getting salty and is kind of just like, you know, you can see that, then like you can actually snap them out of it by saying good games and offering offering a handshake or whatever. And that really, I think that subconsciously makes you just reassess what you're doing in the situation if you're the salty player, and and it'll bring you back to reality a little bit and you know calm you down. Just have it, just having to. uh to to have that that bit of decorum, you know, and and respect for your opponent. Yeah, yeah, that's a kind of kind of grand situation to remind them that this is a game and it was a good game. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, 
still though I, I would like depending on the player i would certainly i would give them a moment first before saying anything yeah yeah for sure well like there was one opponent i had this weekend who um just in a side event who was like from the start of the the match i could see like oh this person is like um is is definitely like salty and it was it looked like just the end of a end of a long weekend where he probably hadn't been winning very much and uh from the start of the game i was just like oh i just know what this guy's gonna be like the whole match and i'm not really gonna make make any great uh efforts to uh to cheer him up or anything like that and he multiplied both games against me got crushed and uh you know he still showed my hand and everything at the end but i could tell i was just like yeah this is just gonna be you some sometimes you can just tell ahead of time that's gonna be someone's attitude but uh but other times you could, i think it's worth you know reaching out and uh offering that handshake yeah um all right so gp in brussels that's what we're obviously going to be talking about and we have already started talking about but uh before we dive into it any further i'll just mention at the top of the show inkedgaming.com so you know what is a really sweet magic art Lin Savvy defiant hero no that's terrible al do you want to guess um i'm going to say uh i'm gonna say uh booby trap <laughs> booby trap <laughs> no you're both wrong the a great magic art is uh the art for the card inverter of truth which no one has ever heard of before it's a it's a it's a little known card from uh from Otho Gatewatch, and uh it's a beautiful art and it's never been on a playmat so if you want that you know I'm sure no one's going to care at this stage. It's like five years ago. It's fine. Stick it on a play mat, inkedgaming.com. Go to inkedgaming.com forward slash skullcrack and you'll get 10% off that order. I think I remember that card, uh, Inverter of Truth. Is that the? Is that like four mana for a 4-3 flyer? At the beginning of your upkeep, you sack a creature that you draw a card? Uh, yeah, that's... Um, no, that, that one is a Smothering Abomination. They're easily confused and they're probably about equal power level. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, was, I must have gotten confused because because uh, you were going to put four of them in your deck at the GP. That's it, yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's a perfect control finisher. What you say, Al? Oh, I, said, I said it was a perfect control finisher. It's a 4-3. Oh, yeah. Attacks 4-3 Flyer. Devoid. Colorless. Excellent. So, obviously, there is a new deck using Inverter of Truth. I don't even know. Did this deck exist last week when we made the podcast? It did. It did, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We, we had our ex. We did talk about it, but our ex turns about alternate world conditions because I assumed we had to talk to talk about it. But I think it was only just emerging uh, that weekend, or emerging when we recorded the podcast last week. Ah. Uh, but now it's now it's dominating the format. Yeah. So yeah, but uh, I had thought that I had four inverter, or I had thought that I had like six inverter of truth in my deck box. So I was like, yes. But then I went through and looked, and uh, I had two inverter of truth and about six smothering abomination, which was wonderful. <laughs> Uh, so still waiting for that card to make its uh, debut in Pioneer. Um, so I think, or on uh, a playmat at inkgaming.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and uh, any players uh, who see David Wolf at any, at any um, local tournaments can uh, go into Ink. Well, before, beforehand, I made a this. Beforehand, you can go on inkgaming and uh, get Smotherer of... <laughs> I've ruined this bit. Smotherer of Truth. No, Smothering Abomination. Okay, Smothering Abomination on a playmat. Get they both to sign it. He'll do it. But get it on inkgaming.com slash skullcrack. Yes. And you can even get them on uh, sleeves with uh, stitched edging. <laughs> Is that correct? Yes, that's close enough. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the GP. So it was uh, it was a Grand Prix in Brussels. Uh, it was a Magic Fest. It was PT. What wasn't it? It was just everything. And then there was also one of those happening in Nagoya, which was just everything. So we had two players' tours. These are the first players' tours. 
Uh, we've got the next uh, the next one, which is part of the same round, is this next weekend in Phoenix. But uh, yeah, so we had the Asian one, or the Asia-Pacific one, and we had the European one. And obviously both were accompanied by GPs. So a lot, a lot of data from Pioneer. Uh, they, were, they were all in Pioneer. Um, and obviously uh, a fun experience for us. A bunch of people went. Uh, our friend Dave played in the Players Tour. Uh, there, we'll have a section at the end of the show where, where he tells us a little bit about that in his own words um, and yeah so we got a lot of data for this um, Inverter was probably the biggest bit breakout deck uh, we'll probably have a look at the have a look at the top 8 now in a few moments or or later in the show rather but uh, let's, let's start by just talking about in general our weekends, what did we play in what decks did we play and how did we do, and, and what did we think about them? So, uh, Kieran, why don't, why don't you tell us about your weekend to start? I had a great weekend, great, great fun weekend playing Magic and catching up with people and, and seeing everybody. I uh, So we got we got in um, Thursday evening, um, didn't really do much that, that evening. We went to a little Chinese place for, for dinner across from the Airbnb. Eight of us, eight, eight extremely high-level pros staying in the same Airbnb, so there was a real... Uh, you know, brain trust feel to the to the occasion. It felt like you know we we're going to crush this tournament. We have so much, so many ideas, so much creativity. Uh, but uh, none of us won the tournament. But uh, I decided to play mono red for the event, which I think I said last week. Uh, I thought was a good choice on the podcast, and I stuck to my guns on that one. So I kind of knew Inverter was going to be big, but I thought the matchup was probably slightly better than it was because it turns out it's actually terrible. Like I think it's. It's probably one of your worst matchups, I think, unless you just have a nut draw. It's it's really hard to win if you just don't kill them on like turn five or whatever, uh, turn four or turn five. So uh, I played that against that twice and lost to it both times, and it just it didn't feel like I could do anything. So in retrospect, yeah, I should have uh, I, I maybe should have um, tested that matchup more before before the event. Uh, for all the rest of the matches, I thought I thought the mono red deck was good. Um, I was playing sort of like. Uh, the aggro version, but then I was uh, I had 25 lands though, so I could support like Chandra's and Glorybringers and stuff in the sideboard. Um, the deck just felt like very medium all weekend, to be honest. Like I, it was like I I didn't have many nut draws. I had to keep a lot of like sort of marginal sevens and sixes that you know with three or four land like with four land on seven three land on six and and you know that just that i was just like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna need, need some help here to win this game but i can't really afford to mulligan it um so that was kind of that was kind of my experience with pioneer for the weekend it was a lot of fun so a lot of different decks i think the format is is really good to be honest uh we'll see we'll see what happens now with this inverter stuff if people find effective ways to fight it and stuff like that but uh but i uh, overall i i i really enjoyed the event i played against an irish player who i hadn't met before uh game uh red one of the gp uh who was on Saltai. um i believe his name was james although i'm not 100 sure and then funnily enough he got matched up against friend of the show Eamon sharpson in round two so the, the poor guy travels all the way to brussels that has to play two irish players in the first two rounds of the event which is quite funny uh, but shout outs to him if uh, I, don't, I don't know if he has heard of the show or not. Um, and then, yeah, two two losses to Inverter and that aforementioned loss to Mono Red against the, the inexperienced ish player. Uh, I was out of the event and I and I decided to play some side events. So I played a, a draft, a sealed, um, some more Pioneer. 
I wasn't like jamming magic the whole weekend, to be honest. I was kind of chilling out and stuff because those are the, mainly because those side events get really expensive if you're just jamming them like all the time. So I kind of I kind of paced myself on those. But I but I had a lot of, a lot of fun with the format, especially with limited. I got to say I'm I'm enjoying the Theros draft format a lot more than I than I initially thought I would as well. Excellent. Yeah, I feel like um, my experience is quite similar, I guess, uh, in terms of yeah, kind of jamming side events, not doing well in the main event. Um, I. I played Mono White, I guess, for some reasons to what Kira mentioned. Uh, Mono White, I thought I had better matchups against Fubak than, than, than it did. Uh, this is a, a, a deck um, yeah, myself, myself and Dave Murphy had worked on, and he gave uh, us a shout-out on his uh, deck tech at the BT. So uh, if you're listening uh, to this because of that, welcome to the show. Um, but I guess kind of, you, know, you go kind of came away with the feeling that, yeah, the deck is quite good, but... Um, yeah, the matchup against Bubak Inverter is as good as we thought it was. I mean, we have the dealer's trials in the main, um, which seems like it should be very good because I mean, just looking at it, looking at Canister's this year, uh, Canister's uh, the top eight list here. Uh, he has he has like you know, literally one card to deal with the dealer's trials in his main in his in his 75. So I think the matchup probably comes, comes down to you know whether or not you draw that. Uh, but it is, I suppose, yeah, like, like since Kieran, you're saying the same, it's like if you're aggressive against this tech, if you have an aggressive plan to go under them. So they just tap out turn four and play, you know, play a six six flyer, uh, and then they they very able to some tap next turn and win. So it's um we probably will need a different strategy in combining combining this deck uh, rather than just being aggressive. Um, but uh, anyway, after the main event, uh, I, I I did a lot of side events, had a great fun. I did some mystery drafts. That was a pretty cool thing to be involved in. Uh, lots of lots of value there. Um, for anyone if I, if I anyone ever like some of these some of those uh, playtest cards are uh actually a pretty good price. I guess kind of because of it, there's a lot of value being passed around on the table. It was a lot of fun, um, and that was no definitely a very degenerate thing to do. You know, throwing throwing money at these uh, at this random pack, trying to open it, trying to get, get some value. Um, I definitely rare picked, <laughs> I rare drafted. Uh, I more so than I usually would, and I definitely um, prioritized you know getting getting some money from the front backs rather than making good decks. Uh, went oh and twice, but you know that's that's, that's the life of a degenerate. Uh, but the rest of the weekend was very good. Uh, I played on magic, lots of different formats, and uh, Brussels is a lovely city. All right, um, yeah, I similarly to you guys, I did more losing probably than winning over the weekend. Uh, I played three different decks over three different days. So on the PTQ on Friday, I played Blue Eye Control because I thought it was reasonably well positioned, and it was not. Went one three, that was great. <laughs> then uh, in the actual GP, I was like, okay, I'm gonna audible. What do I have with me, and what can I make? Um, what can I put together? So I got uh, the pieces for Insole. I had most of them myself already. And then I was able to borrow a few other bits and I, and I, I decided to play Insole. I thought this is a reasonable deck to play because, um, you know, it's, it's aggressive. It gets on the board, um, has a fast game plan. So uh, I thought that that was going to be much more, not only more satisfying to play, but also, you know, I'm not going to go to time and stuff like that. Um, which was good because in the PTQ I did go to time in game one in the mirror, um, and my blue eyed deck was not set up for the mirror either. So I would I would have really had to go back to the drawing board with it and think about it a lot more. So I was like, I'm just going to take this in, um, in soul deck and that'll be better. Um, and then in the GP I went three and three and then dropped. Uh, played against some lovely players. Uh, everyone was genuinely really nice every round. Uh, got a feature match round one. Uh, text feature match of course because. The uh, the PT was on at the same time, so um, that was obviously on on coverage on Twitch, but uh, I was covered on the Channel Fireball Twitter, 
and I believe it went up possibly later on coverage.channelfireball.com. Not sure about that, but uh, it was on Twitter anyway. So that, that was sweet to get my first ever feature match. Um, and yeah, so three and three with Insol. I was like, yeah, this is okay. Deck feels good. Uh, but then for side events on the third day, I decided not to play in the PTQ because I was like, ah, oh, that's too much money for something. If you lose one round, you're basically out. Um, so I decided to play in side events and I managed to get together inverter because again I also had almost all the pieces and uh, absolutely crushed with that won a few ticks um, and was delighted and I think I found my deck and I hope it doesn't get banned I think something probably will get banned but maybe not maybe not for a while I don't know I mean I don't see why I think there are a lot of ways to interact with it yeah there are I think it's more just because like Wizards of the Coast historically has shown that they just don't like this type of combo win existing like twin and and cat combo and stuff like that cat combo is probably just too strong but i think the consensus now is that is that twin you know probably didn't get need to need to get banned from a power level perspective it was more just about the the sort of game the gameplay it creates and i could see them doing the same for this deck for that reason yeah but like uh, i don't know yeah uh, yeah I, I know what you mean i think tass's oracle is a problematic card to have created yeah, I think they could um, they could neuter the deck quite effectively by banning Dig Through Time and still have it exist. Um, and, you know, that is just like a card that's always on the watch list anyway. So people still get to play the deck if they put it together. They're just not as consistent at finding the combo and they can't uh, can't manage their graveyard as easily. Yeah, that's, that seems a fair approach to me because I think it's, I mean, it is, it is cool that to have emerged it basically out of nowhere. Um, I mean, it's, it is nice, I guess, when we see uh, you know, unplayable mythics from a few years ago, just suddenly being um, you know, important to format. And so I hope, I hope, it, I hope it doesn't get banned. I hope either, yeah, the format adapts and there is a way to beat it consistently, or uh, it gets neutered, like you're saying, it's a way like uh, yeah, like banning digital time. Yeah, so there there are other spells that you could use in that place, like Treasure Cruise would also be fine. Um, obviously, Dig Through Time is is better in in this particular deck because you're looking for a two card combo, and Dig Through Time, you know obviously digs you very deep through your library. Uh, but raw cards is also quite good for this uh, deck, and also managing your graveyard is important, managing the size of your graveyard, um, so that when you exile exile your deck and, and shuffle your graveyard into your new library, um, that it's not too big, or that you know there are relevant cards in it. Maybe there's a combo piece in there, like a Tassus Oracle or a Jace. Um, so yeah, I think Delve spells are probably important for this deck. Um, I was also running one Murderous Cut, because I think that's quite a good card as well that's fallen by the wayside a little bit in Pioneer, and I think it's it's still pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm super into this deck. Um, Canister did very well with it in the player store in Brussels. He was in the top eight. He actually came second. And it was five of the top eight in Nagoya. Uh, but there are a few slightly different versions as well. One of them was basically a mono blue devotion deck that only had inverter as as its black spell in the main. Um, that deck is sweet. Yeah, very sweet. Uh, who who was playing that? Let me check. Uh, is it like Kent Kenta Harane, was it? No, Kenta Harane was on Band Spirits. Uh, it was Shintaro Ishimura. I know him well. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's maybe talk about the. Uh, hold on. PT results in Brussels. So we had uh, Yol Larson first place, uh, Sultai Delirium, uh, Canister second or Canister Piotr Glagowski in second place on Demir Inverter. Uh, third and fourth were uh, Brent Foss on Lotus Breach and uh, PV DDR on Nive Delight, and then uh, fifth through eighth were uh, Matteo Rizzi on Band Spirits. Uh, 
Jiang Zhang on Mono Black Agro. Apologies for my mispronunciation of the name. Uh, Valerio Luminati on Band Spirits and Juan Jose Rodriguez Lopez on Mono Red Agro. Um, so all the Brazilian players were who who were qualified came over to Brussels because it turned out that the flights were cheaper than going to Phoenix. Interestingly enough, so we had the uh, the Brazilian players competing. Um, yeah, very diverse top eight here. Yeah, I, th- I think if you look at that top eight, uh, you're pretty you're pretty happy with the state of the format. Um, I think like Heliod is the only kind of surprise that maybe one copy didn't top eight, but I believe it was pretty well represented in the at the top tables even still. Well represented by one Dave Murphy. Way. Yeah. Um. I mean, he wasn't at the top top tables, but he was. You know, he was around. Yeah, I think it's. I guess I'm. Mean, I think what I like even more about this top eight is that we're still seeing like a, a fair mid-range check you know, emerge victorious. Uh, like Liru by Neil Larson is like it's. It's nice that you can have all this combo. So if people worry about combos or you know nonsense like the live to the live live to life decks. Um, to worry about you know the. Mono, the monocolored agro, agro decks that I guess are being enabled by Mutavolt, but um, they just have this lovely grinding uh, by Delirium. Come, come make it on top. I guess got an Uro probably makes that deck problem, but I mean, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't into that deck at all, and I was very surprised to hear it top aided. But then when I heard he had Uro in the deck, I was like, oh, that kind of changes my opinion on this. I actually really like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's a weird deck. There's like a bunch of one offs. Um, maybe we can just go through the deck here. So it had a record of eight and two and constructed. So obviously he had a, a good draft record as well. But eight and two is obviously no slouch in constructed either. Um, so it's got yeah a bunch of one offs here. It's one walking ballista, one scavenging ooze, one murderous rider, one tireless tracker, one Ishkana graph widow, one emerald, and then the multiples are three Jace Friends prodigy, four Seder wayfinder, two Corsair of prefix, uh, four Oro. And then we've got a couple, a few Planeswalkers, one Liliana, the Last Hope, and two Nissa, who shakes the world. Four Fatal Push, four Thoughtseize, three Traverse the Ovenwald, two Abrupt Decay, and two Grizzly Salvage. Um, so it's just a, this is kind of the the rock deck of, of Pioneer, right? I think so. I mean, I guess like last week, we would have said that Live to Life is a rock deck. I mean, you're, you're you know, getting card advantage, your card quality is beating your opponent. This is a very, it's a rock deck with a very strange like mana base. Um, but then, I mean, I think I'm happier seeing, you know, a deck like Sultan Delirium become the rock deck with, you know, the interaction in terms of, you know, hand disruption, removal, and the say, you know, high-value features. Yeah, I suppose it's sort of a, um, still still relying on synergy, like, a decent amount compared to, like, you know, maybe what you would consider, like, a rock deck, like, in terms of, you know, you're playing, you're not playing Seder Wayfinder because it's, because uh, the body is so good or anything like that, but, you know, so it is making some concessions there to playing sort of a, less powerful cards because it needs to, to get the delirium together but yeah i mean overall i mean you got thoughtsies you got a bunch of removal you got traverse you know uh you're definitely like you're hanging in there basically against like any matchup yeah i mean Seder wayfinder is you know not a good body but it obviously it, it's good for delirium and, and that's why you're playing it but it's also like an elvish visionary type effect right it's, it's just a value creature yeah for sure um Interesting to go with the four Uro. I guess the legendary thing doesn't really matter because um, you're just playing it and sacrificing it. And then by the time you can escape it, it doesn't matter. You can ex- exile extra copies from the graveyard or whatever. Um, and you just want to put it in the graveyard as fast as possible with your Grizzly Salvages and uh, your Wayfinders as well. So having four just helps you do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and you obviously have a lot of ways to take advantage of the extra lands. You have Tireless Tracker, you have Walking Ballista, um 
Corsair Crufix also gets you extra lands. Uh, Emrakul, of course, uh, and then Traverse to find Emrakul is pretty nice as well. Yeah, I was I actually kind of didn't even expect to see an Emrakul when I first heard about this deck because like a lot of the black green and Sultai lists I've been playing against in the last while just haven't even been running the Emrakul. I think, but um, yeah, I think when you have I think yeah, I think the Ura ramping you makes the Emrakul like a lot more attractive in this deck. Yeah, I can see that. Um, actual, you know, ways to get actual extra resources on the battlefield means that you're, you know, you're you're essentially each each Uro that you play is increasing your, you know, uh, well, not each Uro like the first one is increasing your ability to get to Emrakul by two just by itself. Um, so yeah, I can can see that. Seems good. Wait, how is it increasing it by two? Because it puts a land on the battlefield and then also oh, I get you, right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I was like, is it an enchantment? And I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I like that. Um, of course, Oro can also have negative synergy there because if you're exiling things from your graveyard, then that can take you further away from Emrakul. But presumably, uh, you're you'll be able to manage that in such a way that it doesn't impact you. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting deck. And then the inverter decks um, are pretty stock now on canisters list at this point although there are there are variations that are coming around and we, we are starting to see people put more removal into their like removal that can deal with a, a planeswalker uh into their into their decks so that you can kill a gideon uh, of the trials or any any gideon i guess uh, before you go off with your combo um we're starting to see more jace friends prodigy and stuff now as as the format develops which is nice to have those um always nice to find a place play your very expensive cards that you played a lot for um on that note interesting that this that joel's deck doesn't uh doesn't have a single copy of dig through time usually these decks play one or two yeah maybe he just figures that because of oro that's too much pressure on the graveyard yeah i could see that for sure yeah and it does have traverse as well so you kind of have that quote-unquote effect of going and finding what you need late game true also no uh kalatas in the main which I would think was a, would was would be a pretty easy include, but apparently not. Yeah, I think a one of Kalatas would probably be good. Does he have one in the sideboard? Um, no, there's none in the seventy-five. Interesting, interesting. There's no four drops. Yeah, one tireless tracker in in the main and one in the side is very interesting as well. Obviously, a lot of thought went into this deck list because there's a lot of choices that are not kind of your your natural first inclination. Yeah, one Sultai charm as well. <laughs> it's just a value. Body addition on the sideboard. Um, Hostage Shaker also is a card that you could imagine would would be in the main in some situation. Like if you expect like something like a lot of in soul or something, you might you might want to put your Hostage Shaker in the main um, as a traverse target. Uh, Three Leyline of the Void as well. You love to see it. <laughs> Great choice. Uh, Inverter. I, yeah, as I said, um, deck is developing a pace. Don't think we need to talk too much about it. It hasn't evolved all that much since last week. Um, Lotus Breach here by Brent Voss is uh, an interesting deck. Um, so his version here has four Fey of Wishes and two Seder Wayfinder in the main. And only three Underworld Breach. He has one in the sideboard because I guess he can wish for it with the Fey of Wishes. Also got a Jace Wielder of Mysteries in the sideboard so he can wish for that with the Fey of Wishes to win instead of the Tassus Oracle. Um, so yeah, basically just the this version is more kind of focused on the combo like achieving infinite or whatever with the underworld breach and then 
you just use the Fey of Wishes to wish for whatever you want. Tome scour in the board? What's going on there? Uh, you wish for it, and it's infinite with Underworld Breach. Oh, okay. Yeah, so oh, you just, you mill, mill yourself for five. Uh, yeah, and then you get to untap the... Uh, the yeah, Hidden Strings, Underworld Breach, and Tome scour is, like, infinite. Or you can cast it after your opponent has cast the Verdure Truth and get him. Oh, I love it. Yeah. If the opponent is going for the inverter combo over two turns, Tom Scour can certainly can certainly mess that up. Um, I've also got two Supreme Verdict in the sideboard, uh, three Thought Distortion, and one Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Yeah, it's like I, I like this list. I don't think there's anything like super surprising in there. Three Underworld Breach rather than four maybe is the most surprising thing to me, and I think that. He correctly identified that you need some kind of interaction to the main gun with the two blink of an eye. A lot of people were being super greedy and just not playing anything uh, to and just trying to just be completely all in on the combo. And I, I got to say, I much prefer um, having that little bit of an answer to problematic permanence. Yeah, I think that is um, absolutely defensible. And it's it's something that we saw in like Nexus Fate decks. So it's a similar serving a similar function here. Um, one card that could be interesting in this deck is um, Thing in the Ice. Could that be a, a card that is played in this deck? Like, in the sideboard? Yeah, I've seen people play it before. Okay. Or uh, Brazen Borrower, I think, kind of does does a similar job as well. Yep, yep. Um, Alright, Niv's Alight by PV. So, his version here, he's got three Gilded Goose in the main. He's got two Nahiri the Harbinger. He's got a Thoughtseize main. Uh, slaughter games. That's pretty standard. Uh, solar plays, and this is the this is the big um, the big innovation that I saw by a lot of the Braz- I think a lot of the Brazilian players were on uh, Niv to Light. I I played against one uh, in the GP who had um, who had lost out of day one in the players tour, and the big innovation that they were bringing was Hour of Devastation. I love it. Yes. Um, so I don't know if they were thinking that the mono white deck was going to be a big problem for them or mono red or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, making all the opponents, uh, you know, everything lose indestructible and then five damage is, uh, going to wipe, wipe up a lot of boards. And very importantly, doesn't kill your Niv. Yes. Yeah. I like this build. Um, 28 land is, is pretty high, but that's probably where you want to be at this point. Um, I like just the choices of all the one-ofs generally in the main. Um, seems like you can basically deal with anything game one. Um, so many charms in the sideboard. You got Selesnya Charm. Oh wait, that's the only one. Sorry, I thought there were more. Infernal Reckoning, interesting sideboard choice. Your Voice of Resurgence as well is interesting. There's like a, there's like a lot of a lot of cool one-ofs in the sideboard. One Rest in Peace. Wow. Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, this kind of deck is very customizable. Um, so you just can tweak it to whatever you think is going to be popular that weekend. Um, yeah, just it seems like a good choice. Enter the God Eternals as well in the sideboard. Interesting. Scarab God. Love it. Um, and then moving on to the Band Spirits decks. The, the two Band Spirits decks that were in the top eight were very, very similar. Um, actually, I don't even know what the difference is between them here. Uh, let me see if I can get them up. So Band Spirits by Valerio Luminato, Luminati and uh, Mattia Rizzi. Mattia Rizzi, uh, multiple... I don't, I, this is not his first top eight, I don't think, but uh, Italian player consistently been doing well for a few years. Um, so what's different here? Uh, I they look, they look exactly the same to me. Yeah, they look. Yeah, they look the same. Yeah, they are the same. 
Um, yeah, so maybe these two players work together, or I don't know, maybe they just took a stock list. They are both Italian, I think, so possibly work together. Uh, but we have the usual suspects here. Um, the only thing interesting, though, I would say is Nablegast Herald, I know, had kind of become... It was in and out of, of Spirits lists, but uh, I think it's firmly in now. And uh, so it's the one that says it has Flash and Flying and it's a 2-1. And whenever it or another Spirit enters the battlefield under your control, you can tap a creature and opponent controls. So obviously that just works really well with the Spirits Flash game. Um, you know, tapping an attacker on their turn and then it's still tapped when you go to attack and it can't block obviously is just absolutely insane for the for the tempo game plan of spirits um and then yeah just four collected company the only green spells in the main i think it's absolutely fine yeah this list looks great to me i didn't play against any band spirits i played against blue white spirits a couple of times over the weekend but i didn't see anyone uh with the cocos yeah yeah i think i said a list like this once uh, I, I like that with Astero because a lot of times when you're holding tree mana up on third tree you're thinking oh yeah like make the base of mana if i you know, don't play the spell better. Um, but then you know, they think it's a good value by playing you know, this this uh, kind of snowbody three drop instead uh, at the end of the turn. And uh, yeah, they'll start getting in. Yeah, it's a, a great alternative play for um it like instead of spell queller, it feels super bad to just flash in your spell queller as an attacker. But uh enable gas herald, not so much. And rattle chains, of course, will give all your spirits flash. So then that allows you to uh do some crazy stuff with uh enable gas herald and like things like Empyrean Eagle, you can flash that in at instant speed as a Lord effect. It's pretty insane. Of course, you can also collect a company into into that. Um, yeah. Uh, and then in the Nagoya top eight, we had five Inverter, uh, one Mono Black Vampires, which is pretty similar to... I mean, we, we've seen this deck. Um, it's similar in some ways to the Mono Black Aggro decks, but obviously it's it's vampire-based and uh, it takes advantage of Soar and Imperious, Imperious Bloodlord, um, which is just a, a messed up card, and uh, Champion of Dusk to to draw an absurd amount of cards uh, beginning on turn three. Um, then we also had Banned Spirits, which which took it down. Uh, this list is slightly different from the other ones. So this had fewer Spectral Sailors and went up to four Rattle Chains and four South of Spirit, which I think I probably like more. I think Spectral Sailor is probably the worst card in the deck. Yeah, I, I hate... Um... Spectral Sailor, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, maybe you do need that that uh, critical mass of one drops, so you kind of have to play more. But I definitely think Rattle Chains and Self of Spirit are both pretty important for the deck. Like Self of Spirit, you know, just by itself basically uh, does so much for your matchup against control decks. Permeating yeah. mass is pretty sweet in the sideboard. Oh yeah, permeating mass. Just in case people have forgotten what that is, it's a green for a one three creature spirit. And whenever it deals combat damage to a creature, that creature becomes a copy of Permeating Mass. I, I love this card when it was in Standard. I tried to make it work for a while. I uh, could never do it. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what, what this card is for in the sideboard. I think we, we talked about it the other day, but I don't remember what we decided on. I think it's just good against aggro. It's like good, right? Because like uh, you bring it in against mono black or mono red or whatever. It's, it's better against mono black, I think, because... Um, yeah, I don't know. It just seems better. But then as well, it's like none of your stuff is ever going to get turned into permeating mass because they're flyers, right? So yep. you're just using this to go off the ground. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it's also... green, yeah. single mana for for 1-3 is already, you know, decent defensive stats and then turning everything else that attacks into a 1-3 also quite good. Yeah, I think it's because uh, the body yeah, it's good against small creatures like 2-1s, but then also I think also this ability makes it good against like 
I'm going to get a sex with larger creatures because you know, so you've got, usually you have your own trade battlefield. You have to be cracking with your four horde to get rid of it, and then you're you're open it up for next turn. So I think uh, even big creatures can't attack into this uh, at risk of becoming permeating um, massive. Oh yeah, and then Ken Yukihiro, second place, bringing the spice with Sram Auras. This deck looks sick. It's a Alciad of Lies Bounty. It's Hateful Eidolon. It's Sram, of course, Senior Edificer. Uh, two favored hoplite, which is from original Theros. It's a heroic whenever you cast a spell that targets it. Uh, put a one-one counter on it and prevent all damage that will be dealt with this turn. It's a one mana one-two, and then it also has Aphemia the Cacophony, which is the flying um, the harpy, legendary enchantment harpy that makes um, zombies when you exile enchantments from your graveyard. And then it just has a bunch of one mana uh, enchantments. So it's kind of a boggle style deck. Um, so it's Cartouche of Solidarity, Ethereal Armor. Griff's Boon, Sentinel's Eyes, and all the glitters. Then it has Karametra's Blessing to protect the uh, the creatures. Um, deck seems like, I don't know, a solid Buggles-type deck, but with a lot of card advantage from Hateful Eidolon and from Sram. Yeah, this is definitely a better, a better approach to the Buggles archetypes than uh, the... I saw a few Green White versions that are playing, like, because like, Lake Overscape is legal in the format, so people playing that, um, like, with actual you know, group creatures, but I think this way of just gaining value from, you know, you know, it protect your creatures using Hoplite or Alcide, or Alcide. and um, yeah, you're just getting tons of value from your Hateful Eidolon and Ephemia if uh, they do manage to um, kill something. And that's Tram. Wrong cards. Yeah, you're just drawing so many cards. It's like really good against aggro, I think, too, because all your creatures have lifelink, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But most of them have have it, and then um, yeah, you're just gonna make them huge, or and like give them fr- flying or first strike or whatever. It's it's it, yeah, definitely it's very like boggles, and um, yeah, I don't know. This deck just this deck seems quite good to be honest. You have access to thought season the sideboard as well, which is really nice. Like green white definitely doesn't have very strong sideboard options compared to that. Yeah, dead weight in the sideboard. You get to uh, you get to draw that and play removal with Shra- with or you get to draw a card and kill their guy with Sram. Yep. Uh, brain maggot also in sideboard pretty nice oh i love it all right and then the the final kind of different deck in in nagoya was as i mentioned before the demir inverter deck that was more like just a mono blue devotion so we've got like harbinger of the tides merfolk trickster uh brazen borrower gadwick jace wielder of mysteries wizards retort lane line of anticipation and uh Tass's oracle of course and then the just the four inverter of truth for for black it also has four nictos in the mana base of course um and then in the sideboard also mostly blue spells with one or more the ego and two thoughtsies as the black spells um ether ghost entrancing melody mystical dispute uh ratchet bomb interesting and and one and null which is uh from taros blue instant counter target artifact or enchantment spell pretty nice i guess against uh against in soul yep I, I like this list a lot i think it's cool uh definitely abuses nykthos in a really interesting way with gadwick and um yeah i don't know it's like having access to the combo means that like the way people are forced to play against your kind of mono blue tempo stuff could just leave them dead if they if they need to to you know tap out to wrath or whatever you can just combo them on on your turn so i think it's probably good against the sort of traditional control version yeah and then Layla of anticipation also allows you to play the combo at the end of their turn like like splinter twinish well, I literally didn't even uh, consider that. That's that's so strong. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty disgusting, especially yeah, with the Nictos top and you get there as well in terms of the mana ramp. Uh, yeah, you just end the turn, end of turn, inverter and and uh, Oracle. 
And 14 black sources, probably fine. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> That's, that sounds a little sketchy to me, but I guess it worked out. Yeah. I guess stuff like, like Harbinger of the Tides and Murfolk Trickster in combination with Gadwick are pretty awesome as well for your for your beatdown plan. Um, because, you know, they just they always have flash. Or I guess Harbinger has flash if you pay two more. Or Murfolk Trickster just always has flash. Brazen Borrower also has flash. Um, so being able to tap something and bounce something or tap two things or, um, yeah, just have that, that fantastic tempo plan available to you if you're not going to... And you know that it's always good to have a backup plan like that in some kind of combo deck because then you have a strong um, disruptive plan that you're that you're actively working towards, and then if they're able to deal with that, then maybe the combo can win you just win you the game. Then sounds like a certain blue red deck that got banned in modern. Indeed, it does kind of sound like that. Anyway, so those are the decks that did well. Um, no mono white devotion in either of the top eights, but I believe in the Nagoya top eight, or sorry, the Nagoya top thirty-two, there were plenty of um, of those decks. I don't think the whole top thirty-two was actually reported for pro tour or the players during Nagoya, uh, but anecdotally on Twitter, um, a lot of players like eleventh, fourteenth, sixteenth, something like that, uh, a fair few players were on mono white devotion. Uh, it was Kelvin Chu and his team, I believe. And uh, so I think Mono White Devotion is is fine. And the Heliod walking Ballista combo is also fine. And they have a place in the format. I think they're they're solid. De- it's a solid deck. And there's probably more ways that it can be built. And again, it could be problematic in the future. But so far, it seems like it should be okay. And the, all the all the doom saying was uh, was kind of amounted to nothing. Yeah, like, 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 just like most most students saying in general, yeah, that's what was on. People, people on like you know, random Facebook groups asking, well, is it going to be banned on the day Heliod was spoiled? Like, well, we've got to see, we've got to see what happens. I mean, yeah. more nonsense. Yeah. More nonsense, more nonsense or nonsense. And, and now we have just a completely other uh, combo-ish deck that, uh, that is, people are, are crying out for a ban for. But I, I think, uh, I don't know, for me, so far, the inverter deck is not having a horrific effect on the format and i think it's fine but uh yeah as as you said earlier kieran I, I do think that it is the type of combo that wizard seems to like to ban yeah we'll see what happens over the next couple pts i guess yeah i'm excited to see what happens from from phoenix next weekend um i think that'll probably do it for the podcast today right because we're all super tired after uh after a long weekend yeah i think energy levels may have been a little low this week i'm, I'm certainly still feeling the the effect of the travel and everything yeah Absolutely, but uh, they both want to give one quick tournament report of a sick play that was made on your behalf, uh, and by you, on your behalf, by you. Are, are you talking about uh, our Pygao tournament that we had? I am. Oh, yeah. All right, so we were playing Pygao at the end of Sunday, and uh, for those who don't know, in Pygao, basically, it's just a fun way to crack packs. So you each open a pack, and you quickly sort your cards into five piles of three, and then you play the each pile against uh, against each other. So you know two people uh, play pile by pile, and uh, you have infinite mana of any color, and uh, then you, you have five life. Um, so we were playing, and uh, I had a return to Ravnica pack, and Alan had a Cans of Tarkir pack, and so uh, yeah, I arranged my piles, and then I think we were I think it was two one to me at this point. And 
or or it might have been two all. I can't remember if we were on the last pile or the second last pile. And uh, I picked up my pile that had my rare in it, which was Slaughter Games. So obviously when I had seen the rare in the pack, I was like, oh, well, <laughs> this is a bit of a dud. So I'll just put this in the dud pile. Uh, I think I, ha- I put like a crappy creature and a land and Slaughter Games in the same pile, something like that. And uh, so Alan went first in that particular game. And Alan played two kind of small creatures and just let go. Uh, so he had one card left in his hand. And it came back over to me. And I just went land and slaughter games. And I was like, hmm, let me think about it for a moment. Uh, I was trying to think about cards in cans of Tarkir. And then I had a card in my mind. And I was like, I think I'm going to name this card. And then Alan said, Alan said I'll help you because this is really hard. Obviously, it could be any card in cans of Tarkir. It's, slaughter games is a really tough card. Uh, to play in uh, in Pygao. Sorry, just if people don't know what Slaughter Games is, it's uh, it's an extraction effect. You you name a card in your opponent's uh, deck and you can search their hand, library, graveyard, and exile them all. Um, so Alan decided to help me. He said, it's a red common. And the card that I was thinking of already was, in fact, a red common. So I just said that name and I said, Arrowstorm. And that was it. And uh, that was my greatest victory in any game of Magic uh, in all time. So because I don't think I don't think anybody has ever successfully used an extraction effect in Pygao before. Uh, anyway, I'm claiming it for myself. So exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> think... So in in ten years' time, you'll be able to be inducted to the Hall of Fame for that play. I was I was instantly inducted to the Hall of Fame. Like... Oh yeah, anyway, yeah. We we were we were very very loud when what happened. Uh, I think. Sorry, I was talking about the Pygao Hall of Fame that I just uh, uh, created. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Pygao. Oh, yeah, only only room for one person in there. Um, <laughs> I think I suppose, yeah, you might have got sequenced wrong a little bit just in terms of who went first. I think you had gone first, you played a creature and pass, and I played two creatures, two smaller creatures, two smaller creatures, like two like one ones, you've got like a four three and play. So I think kind of what made it the play even better was that I was setting up a win on my next turn just by attacking into your creature and, and then casting the arrow storm to apply damage. Uh so really the only thing that was gonna save you in that situation was either a counter spell or some kind of a an extraction effect. That was really wonderful. Yeah. So Arrowstorm is like uh, it's three red red for a sorcery and it does four damage to a, a creature or a player. But then it has raid if you've attacked with a creature this turn, it does five damage instead. So yeah, that that obviously by itself is, is enough to, to win the game in uh, in Pygao if you can attack with a creature first. But uh, yeah, so that was lucky by me. Or skillful by me. I mean, and obviously I, I put it, I did a very good job putting that into the right pack with two small creatures. But yeah. That's what I Draw attention to that as well, but no, I got absolutely, absolutely wrecked yeah. by the sick read of Slaughter Games. Yeah, I looked straight into your eyes and I just knew. <laughs> yeah, no, it, the the reason why I actually thought of it was because I had earlier earlier in the day I had done a, a mystery draft, which yeah, mystery draft is really fun. By the way, it uh, definitely feels like chaos draft, but also it has that added like, what is this of the uh, of the t- of the playtest cards? I got a nice little sliv mizzet in my uh, in my playtest booster, which is an awesome card. Um. So yeah, I'd highly recommend it. But uh, in my second round, I had lost to an opponent who had a really sick black-red deck, and they killed me with Arrowstorm. So that's why it was in my head. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, so Jungian secretity, secretity right there. Yep. Uh, all right. So I guess that's going to do it for the show today. And uh, we will have a special little section after the outro music um, in our extra turn section. We will not have our usual uh, Alan Harrison game show theme thing. Uh, we we actually have uh, a short little interview or or a segment that was recorded in Brussels Airport on the way home with uh, myself, Alan, a uh, friend of the show, Eamon, and also a friend of the show, Dave Murphy. 
and uh yeah we, we initially we intended to just record the whole show with them but uh it didn't we, we didn't have enough time we didn't leave ourselves enough time in the airport so uh we just had a little bit of chat with dave about his experience playing against uh michael bonda over the weekend so you'll uh you'll get to hear that after the outro credits and uh it's very enjoyable uh, but apologies for the airport noises but also it might be enjoyable to you i don't know if you like asmr stuff it's like you're right there in the airport yeah I haven't actually listened back to it. It might be terrible, so <laughs> hopefully it's fine. But so I can put it at the end of this podcast. <laughs> uh, just before we go, just before we go, I'll also mention again inkedgaming.com forward slash skullcrack. Go there for ten percent off your order on awesome play mats with stitched edging, custom images, uh, other customizable uh, things, uh, gaming accessories, and they also sell board games and stuff there as well. And so if you follow the link in the show notes or you just go to inkedgaming.com forward slash skullcrack, you'll get 10% off your order from an awesome company that does cool playmats and things. Uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for us. We are very tired after our long weekend of magic and uh, we're going to get ready for more long weekends of magic next weekend because we've got preliminaries coming up for the next round of uh, of WPNQs. So we'll we'll probably have a report on those next week. But for now, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. say our names because we are we are different people well yeah, i'm the same person true. it's true i'm, I'm, I'm a, a changed man after brussels yeah Eamon is new welcome a, to I'm the podcast thank you I'm a, I'm a friend of the show yeah Eamon is a friend of the show that's true regular contributor to uh Tala time warp yeah uh next magic set coming out so um you know, have a head designer called Tala time warp here <laughs> in the airport with us yeah and, and why uh, are we in the airport david yeah well there's a baby screaming but uh <laughs> hopefully that doesn't yeah this is going to sound a, a bit funny but uh this is the only opportunity we're going to get this week to record. So we're in the airport because we're coming back from Brussels. Kieran's not here. He took an earlier flight. We're being joined by Eamon and Dave. How's it going, lads? Pretty good. Yeah, good, good. I, I think it's forty percent likely that this episode will the quality will be good enough to air. Yeah, people enjoy fifty percent likely. 50%. People enjoy ASMR. You can advertise it as a, you know. Uh, airport noises while you go to sleep, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's true. I can make sexy noises. Like, shh, 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 shh. like that, that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, that's very strange. ASMR, yeah. uh, oh, there's, there's oh, an announcement. Yeah, that's uh, some real ambient shit. Um, all right. Uh, you couldn't get production is, value for that, like, like if you wanted to. No, no. This is the full magic experience. Perfect, this yeah. is 90% of the trip. Yeah, this is what a GP sounds like if you haven't been to one. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, wait, what do I do normally at the start? Uh, oh, I do an ad, I do an ad. Uh, so, what's the inkgaming.com? Yeah. <laughs> uh, inkgaming.com uh, forward slash skullcrack. You can go there, you can get yourself a customized playmat. You can uh, slap an image on there, get some nice stitched edging, and you get 10% off your order if you go to that. That, uh, that URL, and we have someone who has in fact done that. Yes, oh, Eamon did I it. have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a, a mouse pad for uh, from Ink Gaming. Uh, I used your guys' code; it was cool, and I got my favorite card on a mouse pad, and it's great. 
What's your favorite card? Killing Fiend, because it's the best card in Magic. Killing yeah. Fiend. Killing Fiend. That's is actually the best. great. Oh, yeah, I'll just use old playmats as, as mouse pads, but yeah. um, I'd like to have an actual, oh, my, actual mouse my pad. My one's manky. I keep meaning to like, lift everything up because I have my monitor and my uh, keyboard oh, okay. and my so mouse on it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean to keep lifting up just off the desk and. But it's it's got filthy. It's like uh, the well, this is your choice. This is your chance now. Get a new playmat or a mouse pad from Ink Gaming, and you're you're sorted. Right, sure. Get or Kieran's can, face on it. Or throw them all on the on a, on a washing machine, medium heat for about thirty minutes. That's what I was gonna ask. Yeah, I don't know because I've got a, a mouse. I've got a playmat that is in bad condition, and I don't know. <laughs> if, if, you're, to watch it. if you're Ink uh, Ink Gaming, playmat gets dirty. Just. No, don't follow our instructions. It gets absolutely destroyed. But our Dr. Al Harrison tells you to hang yeah. it up. I'm sure yeah. inkgaming.com has some kind of instructions on their website on best care of playmats to keep them fresh and, and lovely for, for a lifetime. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, speaking of fresh and lovely, uh, we're all feeling that way yeah. after a weekend of playing Magic all weekend. Oh, yeah. A weekend of playing Magic all weekend. Yeah. It's cost yeah. me years of my life. Yeah. It's felt so long. Yeah, we all got here Thursday. Thursday, Thursday yeah. morning for me. Eamon, you're... Thursday evening. Thursday evening. Thursday evening, yeah. Yeah. evening yeah. yeah, it was... Uh, it felt long. It's now Monday evening. After the Friday, it felt like it was Sunday already. Like already yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was on holidays before this. And then, so I haven't shaved in like 11 days. <laughs> it's, it's becoming real bad. <laughs> Like <laughs> uh, and then we all, you know, slept in today, so we just got a shower. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we were kicked out of our Airbnb, but prompt notice. Because, yeah. um we're supposed to be at eleven. We all woke up half twelve. Half twelve. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Knocks on the door. Yeah. Oh God. Well, he, he left us a good review. That's he good. Said, yeah. He said not a two word review. He said nice guests. Guys. Guests. Nice guests. <laughs> he didn't give out about um. He didn't give out about our overstaying and uh, my Airbnb rating still says after two uses nice. it feels like a hostage situation right you're both just hovering yeah, and it has like, to be really bad to give a bad review otherwise you're wrecking each other's review and you're both yeah. just gonna, it's yeah. mutual destruction right yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. so how did the GP go for everyone uh, Dave didn't play in the GP Dave played the PT I did oh. play the PT yeah. there was yeah. PT this weekend in case anybody didn't. there was two PTs this weekend yeah yeah, yeah Nagoya and Brussels uh, I did okay Mincash boom which is uh, not bad it's a uh, Strict upgrade to uh, my last performance, which was Wall of Fate, 0 and 5. <laughs> so now I have to find a 10 7 1 creature, I guess. Yeah. yeah. To mimic, we'll wait till they print that. A 10 7 1. 10 7 1. Yeah. Played 18 rounds. 10 6 1. 10 6 1. 10 6 1. Playing 17 rounds. There's definitely a 10 6. 9 6 1? Creature. 961? Yeah, 961. 961. 16 rounds. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll That's why I say X, I can't do basic maths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you say X, so. Uh, yeah. So Dave, what, what, what was your final position? 67th place? Like Something that? like that, somewhere in the late 60s. Yeah, nice. Pretty, pretty Almost Sex nice. number. <laughs> Almost nice. Yeah, so who was 69? Uh, Michael Bondi. Michael Bondi. Who he beat feature match Twice. Yeah, twice. Yeah, poor Michael has a really bad uh, real life record against me. He's beat me infinite times online. But uh, faced three times, got him three times. It was really nice. We were on the same record all weekend. I just sat next to him. He's just a really nice guy. Chat through the entire weekend. Shedits. There, was a, there was a lengthy judge call on stream when you were playing against them at the in the five oh one bracket. Yeah. What happened there? I had over a couple. So the first one, the first one was a question of hope of Gerper can sacrifice without doing damage, because it was relevant that my um, angel Arcanist Owl, my angel Arcanist Owl, couldn't deal damage, so he, I couldn't gain life, couldn't get life link. And if that was possible, if he could block sacrifice, I don't gain life, he probably wins that game. 
but you have to have done damage because it's a target essentially. So it's like if you've dealt damage to a target, you basically get to do it. Sure. Same as if like a card said sacrifice a hatchling drake is an example. Sacrifice hatchling drake, counter a spell unless they pay one. You can't just sacrifice hatchling drake if there's no there's spell no on the stack. stack. Yes. You have uh, to be able to fulfill so the target. When I first heard the story, I thought he was just trying to sacrifice it to do the ability of them not being able to no, cast that'll be sick. That'd be a good card. And I was like, well, the card just doesn't do that, so obviously yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So this makes it interesting call, yeah. so it's target player who's been dealt damage. That's yeah. player I would have assumed that you could. He, me and him did as well, but I wanted to double check because it's really important I want to change my turtle. Yeah, Because the target's in there, and I don't know. I'm really bad at knowing when something can sacrifice like that or not. Uh, so we asked, and no. Uh, apparently it might be a bug on Moto. He was saying he thinks he's done that on Moto before. And I t- I've also think I've seen that on Moto before, but not 100%. And maybe we just remember not doing damage when, when we did. Uh, the other judge call was there is a weird thing in the deck lists, the online deck lists, where if you enter a card and you want to delete it, you don't put the number to zero, you got to delete it completely off the list. That's what a couple people did. So he, they changed their mind and went, oh no, I want zero Bone Crusher Giant, which he had in his list. And I'd like three of X whatever card. He had like some Shadow Spears, I think he said, or something else. Yeah. So it comes up on his deck list, zero Bone Crusher Giant. So he explained that before the game. We exchanged deck list. He went, listen, this is not on my deck. Don't get confused. There's no Bone Crusher Giants on my deck. There's a deck right there. And I went, okay. And this is because... Uh, deck lists are open. Deck lists are you, you open. Yeah, it's even worse if you had done it with a sideboard card because we don't know the number of sideboard cards getting played. So uh, uh. it wouldn't show zero. Martin Dang was pointing this out. Though, if he had done that and not told me, he'd be cheating and kicked out of the tournament. So yeah. it's not as big of a deal as Martin made out. It is just the exact same as lying about any sideboard card or replacing your sideboard red telling judges. It's yeah, the yeah, same yeah. equivalent. It's as much exploitable as any cheat is exploitable. But the judge pulled him aside. He went, you know, why is this here? It's not in your deck. Explained what happened in the edge. Essentially, he knew it was there from the start, but he didn't want to delete his list and start again because he had two minutes for the registration to count. And he didn't want to ha- have to try and beg for, you know, no game loss because it was late or something like that. Yeah. It, se- it seemed easier to leave it like this and make sure it was all intact yeah. until judges in the morning. Yeah. But he told me when he sat down. Yeah, he told me when he sat down. And yeah. I even said that the judge was like, he told it to a judge and they faced me. I'm like, yeah, no, he told me everything before the match. I'm under no impression there's bone crutcher giants in his list at all. And it was all fine. There's a couple others where, actually, this is a surprise. So usually judges catch stuff and I'm wrong. But we were just right every time. So once I wrote down life wrong, but I knew, like, he was right. He had, Because he, he had kept track of his pains from his pain land and I hadn't. So I'm like, yeah, you are going from, like... Uh, 16 to 13 but I had them at 17 to 13 so it looked wrong to the judge they stopped mm-hmm. it they intervened another one was the judge couldn't grasp how Heliod was in the graveyard oh yeah 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 yeah. but they said Gideon by mistake They're like why is that Gideon in the graveyard I'm like oh it, like it got shrapnel blasted yeah it doesn't have indestructible and I thought well they must be thinking of Gideon Blackblade I'm like no yeah. Blackblade is indestructible this one doesn't and the judge went no Heliod I'm like oh Shadow Spear yeah, yeah. and yeah the, the game then yeah. the game went fine which was a sick play. Yeah, yeah. well, we were talking... still 2 or 4 on yourself, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, you ha- I, at least the Heliod's gone. That matchup's pretty bad for him without being able to do that, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just super. One of it's those also flavorful. Really yeah. flavorful. Oh, very, super very over, yeah. He's one of the nicest people I think I've ever played. And, then, and this was, like, the last time I played him. I did well at Copenhagen, like, two years ago, and we played in the last round of that, and we were both out of contention, but one of us could possibly win money. So uh, had an amazing match there and beat him and he, t- he takes it right on the chin and he doesn't care. He's one of the most pleasant, I think, match players of all time. 
And you both ended up cashing, right? Exact same cash. Yeah. He ended up, we ended up sitting. Like every game, he's super nice. He's super engaging. Like he just asked me when uh, when we're shuffling up. It was funny. We were almost shuffling up the same time. Yeah. All the time, we we're playing pretty similar speed decks, I guess. Yeah. And he always looked at me and went, "Who won that?" Like he's asking who was ahead of game. So it's like really friendly, really engaged guy. Uh, and I won mine, and I was being a bit sullen because my opponent was really disappointed with their day, so they so they weren't in the, the greatest headspace, and I didn't want to aggravate that at all. But Michael, and I think this is exactly what you should do, just celebrated when he won. He was talking about getting a new, nice kitchen top for his kitchen <laughs> at home, for his, his, his family. I think he has a very young daughter. Yeah. So I thought that was lovely, but he like basically high-fives me. He's like, yeah, I get it, buddy. <laughs> I'm like, shh, shh, no, no. This other guy's not having a good day. That's, that's not, that's not. No. Let's be calm, let's be calm. Let's be calm. So you were playing mono-white-heliod combo. Mono-white-heliod combo. Walking ballista. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it, I think. I think after more taught, the inverter matchup was worse than I thought initially. I thought it was fine, their favour, but I think it's more than fine. I think it's very good for them. Getting of the trials, playing more of them will help, unless they... Adjust, but even if they adjust, it's something they have to kill before they go off. So it is still yeah, it's an extra step. It's yeah, it's block. still good against them, and like a four-four that uh, indestructible is still good against them as and, well. And if they haven't drawn the, the card out of their deck, I mean they can just never go for the inverter, basically. Yeah, exactly. So it buys you all this time, but that's then you become a one-card matchup, and it's so bad when you don't draw it. Yeah. So I wouldn't play it as long as that deck's going well. But if if like aggro and mid-range decks are good again, this is excellent. Certain control decks aren't good against it, so I think blue-white traditional isn't good against it, but blue-white enchantments removal-based is good against it. Yeah. So I think it's fine. I think it's going to sit... Uh, this build, anyway, will stick around to Tier 2 yeah. and pop up and be good every now and again. But there's other, build, there's other builds I was working on and are one or two cards away from, I think, being really good. Right. There was, like, a... Like a blue-white build. Yeah, blue-white with Springleaf Drums and Emery, and I'm like, I didn't have enough time to figure it out. Maybe the card is out there, but I'm like, I feel this is very close to being absurdly broken you know yeah. what I mean but we'll see the next couple sets are going to be quite powerful and uh, this set added so much to Pioneer that who knows 10 weeks from now it could be completely different that again so the deck did do relatively well at Nagoya uh, not not in the top 8 but it was like all across the top 32 so mm. we'll see yeah it's uh, I did go like I feel disappointed because it's so silly I'm a very competitive person I made money playing Magic and you should always be incredibly happy when you do and so many of the people that went to this tournament well, it was like 400 people and only 78 of us actually made money and you should feel very grateful but you always want a bit more you want to re-qualify yeah. but uh, yeah like the deck went 6-4 six, six, yeah now I had some mana screwed opponents and some of my losses were unfortunate I think if you told most people take 6-4 with your unknown pioneer deck and go work on limited, they'd snap that off, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm one good draft, my second draft kind of train wrecked, and I could have done different things. One good draft away from top eight runs, so mm -hmm. not, not that disappointed. Can't can't blame myself for my deck selection. Yeah, yeah, definitely got that. I, I suppose it, even if uh, I've heard the deck, the deck selection definitely was good, but maybe did require more tweaking based on the, on, on, on the meta. I guess, uh, yeah, maybe underestimating the blue back matchup um, might be yeah, might, 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 might be a gap there and. And maybe you need something more than just Gideon, um, Gideon trials to short that up. Yeah, yeah, it's again, it, it's fine. I, I definitely didn't make the best selection of the weekend, but I certainly didn't make the worst. Yep, definitely. Well, I feel like I made it worse. I played the same deck and did not do well at the GP. <laughs> but uh, oh, oh. we are our flight is says it's boarding, and it's uh, two minutes walks away. Yes. Okay. So All right. Now we, is what we should do. It says it's boarding now, and the the app says the gate's already closed. So. 
that's probably, you know, we probably have loads of time. <laughs> but um, You can walk towards the gate. Yeah.